Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks for joining me here today on The Communication Architect. Each week, we'll share content that will empower you to grow your personal leadership capacity through the development of communication competencies that build emotional health and relational resilience. We'll unpack some practical applications of interpersonal, intrapersonal, family, and organizational communication. And we'll connect with stories of transformation that will inspire you to achieve personal and social change. Now, let's build the scaffolding you need to become a communication architect. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn. And if you are new with us on the show, we're in a season unpacking American education. Be sure to scroll back on my podcast for some tips on breaking free from the system, getting started on the parent-directed journey, interviews with new and lifelong homeschoolers, and a whole host of research I hope will equip and inspire you for the road ahead. We've been talking about the 10 toxic traits of the public school system, and we see these fruits evidenced in the generational beliefs and behaviors of our youngest students. If you haven't heard, my new book, Outsourced, is now available in print and on Kindle. You can go to outsourcethebook.com to order, or you can find all of my blogs, books, and podcasts at cbcu.us on the president's page. That's Chula Vista Christian University. If you have questions about the parent-directed model of education or any of our academy models, you can now email us at radio at cvcu.us, and we will answer as many of those questions as we can on the show. I want to shout out the churches who are stepping up into their rescue mission. This week, we have more pastors across the nation stepping up to the call to open their church to the community. We have some in Washington, in Florida, right here in California, in the high desert. Well done, team. Pastors, if you'd like to know more about how you can play a vital role in rescuing the outsourced generation, just go to cvcu.us, that's Chula Vista Christian University, and click the Start an Academy tab. You know, I grew up in a family of educators. My grandparents, my par- my father, um, many of our family members on the paternal side were superintendents in the public school system, professors in public university systems, teachers in high schools. My uh, grandmother taught for 50 years in Dupo, Illinois, and it was a totally different world of education back then. You know, my my grandmother's public school system issued prayer books and hymnals. I have them uh, now that she has passed away. And even my own high school teachers, you know, praying for me in school. But the the world of education is so dramatically different today. I want to drill down a little bit on some of the things that are happening in modern education and introduce you to some resources that are right here at your fingertips. Maybe you're joining the show for the first time, or maybe you've kind of been dancing around this idea of pulling your kids off the big yellow prison bus. Well, there is hope for you. In addition to founding a university literally built on the homeschool model, Chula Vista Christian University, and almost 20 academies now across the nation. I have a radio show, obviously you're listening to podcasts and books to help you. And at cvcu.us, we will help you start your own academy. Maybe you're in a church that has a call to leadership, or you feel like, I just want to be part of the rescue mission. You can literally step in and be the change right there in your community. We will help you. The cumulative dysfunction of modern education is really visible at the college level. And I spent 20 years teaching at that level. It's the cumulative effect of a lifetime of indoctrination. It's like going to the doctor for an exam at 85. It's not just what you ate yesterday that affects your results, right? 20 years as an educator at the university level, I saw how broken our system was. And, you know, even in simple things, like I saw Students who were literally living in their car, amassing $130,000 debt. 
And at first you think, oh, that's so admirable. And then you realize, no, that's irresponsible, organizationally irresponsible. Those students are not going to be able to pay back that debt. Um, I saw smart students sitting in the back of classrooms who were bored, unmotivated. They were wasting their time, their talent, their money on a model that was not inspiring to them. I saw struggling students who were left behind because in the traditional classroom, you have to teach to the middle. You have to teach this, keep this class of very different learners on the same proverbial page. So let's talk a little bit about what's really wrong with traditional education. I think the three great tragedies of higher education are the content, which is what's being taught, the methodology, which is how it's being taught, and for colleges, the debt, how much it's charging. And we sought to combat those at CVCU by providing a debt-free, faith-based, mentor-driven system that gives students real-world problem-solving skills. It gives them critical thinking skills. I've said many times on this show that we always have to go back to what Plato called the two most important questions any civilization must ask, and that is who is teaching the children and what are the children being taught? And I think we could look at the fallout in the classroom and the family today to answer those questions. When I wrote about the toxic traits of traditional education. I jilted down some of these, but I want to add some to you today. Obviously, we've talked about Marxist indoctrination, this whole different world. 30 years ago, Marxist professors were training up a generation in this, the classrooms of our public universities. And now those students are continuing the tradition, recruiting your kids. This The, the teachings that, that focus on the, these two classes of people, the the victim, the oppressor. We've talked about this before, and you can never escape from your fate as one or the other. This training has spawned a generation that thinks in terms of literally victim-mindedness in every aspect of life. We've talked about the rates of anxiety, depression, mental health. Gen Z's report higher rates of depression and anxiety than any generation before them. Uh, 75% of Gen Z's recently in a survey said that the threat of school shootings has been a major source of stress for them. And I want to talk a little bit more about that in a second. 40% of California's college students in 2018, pre-COVID friends, report feeling overwhelming anxiety. And in 2018, that same year, suicide was the second leading cause of death for 10 to 24-year-olds. This is not normal. This is not Okay. Um, you know, I first saw this cultural shift in 2009. I was speaking at an audience of, it was on my first book, Emerge, and I was speaking to this audience of Gen Xers on the rise of dysfunctional behaviors like cutting. And I asked the audience, how many of you personally know someone who's a cutter? And one or two of the people would raise their hands. You know, a room of 20, you might have two people that knew in the Gen X population. But then I would ask that same question to a group of students, which at the time were millennial students students and 90% of them personally knew something, knew someone who was cutting themselves on purpose to relieve emotional pain. So that's a generational shift. One generation didn't know anyone personally. The next generation, the vast majority of them were well acquainted with the topic. That is a generational shift. And that is what has taken place on our watch. We've seen the cancellation of conservatism. You remember the story I told about the Palm Springs third grader who shared Bible verses with his friends at lunch on little, uh, little cutout cards. And, um, later that day, the sheriff was sent to his house to tell him that that was forbidden, inappropriate behavior. No police officer in the land of the free and the home of the brave should have to fulfill such an assignment. The great commission has been outlawed on our watch. 
There's this devaluation of life. I talk a lot about this in Outsource, but just uh, to kind of catch you up, there there's a plan for 50 Planned Parenthoods on LA public school grounds that was funded by a $10 million grant from LA County and a $6 million donation from Planned Parenthood. This is all part of the, the sexual agenda, the, the, uh, the agenda really to take away students' innocence, but also, I think, long-term to destroy their ability to attach. There are a number of very, um, well-reviewed and peer research studies on the bonding hormone oxytocin and how multiple partners, of course, we've talked about before, lead to not only diseases because you're using the body in a way it wasn't created to be used, but also leading to this inability to bond later on. We might be setting up a generation of kids for a future without close relationships because they are unable to attach to anyone. Again, this is not okay. This is not normal. Even the taxation, really taxation without representation, uh, when we look at public school funding, California's state constitution requires the state to spend 40% of its tax revenue on public schools, which means each student, quote, receives $17,000 a year. That's more than most private schools. It's definitely more than Chula Vista Christian University. Um, 80% of that funding goes to employee salaries and benefits, according to the National Center for Education Statistics. Yet, despite that public funding, public values are not supported. Uh, that's literally the example of not being represented in the way that our money is spent. In 2019, by the way, California became the first state to require all public colleges to provide abortion on college campuses free of charge. Now I say free of charge, but of course we know that means taxation. So our dollars funding uh, um, abortions on college campuses. And, you know, I know that's a hot button topic right now. Let me remind you of what we've talked about and written about before, that this is a, this is a symptom. Abortion is a symptom of a much larger issue. All of this hypersexual culture and behavior that is, that is, that is pushing toward this, um, that's being overtly peddled in mainstream media, but also in the generational training ground of the public school classroom. Parents, you want to find out what your kids are being taught. This age of anxiety where kids are constantly fearful. My neighbor sent me a series of texts from a parent group chat at one of the public schools in our district this week. And friends, it is sobering. Parents are discussing the best place to buy a bulletproof backpack, how to make sure their kids have shields on the playground in the classroom, nonchalantly normalizing showing their young children, nine, seven, five, how to use the plates to block a bullet. I mean, can you imagine going to school as a seven-year-old carrying a bulletproof backpack? What are we doing? We have to stop normalizing this. This is not okay. It's, it's not normal. Growing up in fear is completely debilitating. I know what that's like. You remember my story. My mom left when I was in third grade. My dad worked as an undercover police officer at night. So my younger sister and I were home at, at night alone for years. Uh, our neighbor would come over and say, I haven't seen an adult over here for days. We had bomb threats from the criminals that my dad put behind bars as an undercover officer. So in my childhood mind, you know, I thought, I need to stay up all night. I would sit in the kitchen with my back against the wall, holding a butcher knife, like I was going to ward off an intruder who was coming to bomb the house. But living in fear is, it's, 
it's not okay. It's not normal. Even if we just looked at that from an intellectual perspective, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, kids can't reach their full potential if they are constantly worried about their own safety. Chronic fear, Harvard professor Steven Pinker has shown all of the tremendous, he says you can be miscalibrated. Your brain can be miscalibrated because you've been exposed to uh, fear. Outsourced, I talk a lot more about that. Uh, Embedded evolution. For 60 years, the public school system has been teaching evolution as a fact. Have we forgotten that? Parents went down and stomped their feet at school board meetings over and over and over. But here we are 60 years later. It is an accepted part of the curricula today, just like Marxism and sexual promiscuity will be accepted tomorrow. If we continue to normalize them, what we tolerate today, we will embrace tomorrow. You know, it wasn't always this way, but there is an intentional pull away from teaching righteousness, from teaching virtue, from teaching beauty, from focusing on the Philippians for content of the good and the beautiful. This is because there is an indoctrination system. That's not a conspiracy theory. Read the Bible and you see that is there is a system, uh, a systematic attack. And you know, great leaders like Neil Postman, Mel Levine, George Barna, they've been warning us of this coming storm for decades. We have to go back to asking that question. Who's teaching the children and what are they being taught? Noah Webster, who wrote the nation's first dictionary, said that education is useless without the Bible. John Adams said that our constitution was written for a moral people and is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Let's think about that. Students in our nation's government monopoly schools are not only among the lowest performers across the globe academically, but they're also the most depressed, anxious, non-committal, suicide ideation prone students in the history of our nation. Why? Maybe the very foundation of academia is broken. It is time for an education revolution. Let's talk about some signs in your own family. What are some signs that attachment is broken or even that a child is just not reaching his full potential? One of the big crises we see today is parental misattachment followed by sibling misattachment. These are not actually normal behaviors for children to be misattached, to be attached to someone outside of the family more than they are to someone inside of the family. This has been a slow movement since 1966, tracked by researcher James Cooley, um, If a kid is bored with life, boredom with life is not normal. Curiosity and wonder are normal. Boredom is not normal. Generational segregation, you know, kids in traditional sectors, really every aspect of culture, not only traditional education, but there's this segregation factor where they're only around people their own age. Well, that limits their ceiling of maturity, of course, but it also makes them unable to communicate or to learn from people outside of their age group. You know, and I always tell my college students, you're you're not going to be hired by somebody your age. Most of you are going to be hired by a Gen X or a boomer or a builder. You need to have communication skills that span all of those generations. Peer-driven behavior. Children should be parent-oriented, not peer-oriented. If your child is more oriented to peers than to parents, that's a sign. That's a problem. There's an issue. There's a challenge there. Addiction to gaming, addiction to cell phones. I know we see it widespread, but let's not normalize it. It is not normal and it is not okay. It's a sign that something is wrong. A, a simple way is to notice when an adult enters the room or a parent enters the room, how does the child respond? And I don't mean to just mean the, the strange situation for those of you who've had the psych background, but I mean, today you walk in, does a child look up or are they so glued to some electronic device that is really where their heart is that they don't even acknowledge you. That's that's a sign something is wrong. Depression, apathy, purposelessness, paralyzing anxiety. If your kid is hunched over a phone with a hoodie over his head all day, something is 
is wrong. This is not normal. And we need to stop normalizing it if we want to, if we really want to make a difference. Whatever situation you're facing in this realm, listen, change is possible. Over just the last 22 months, let me tell you what I've seen working with churches across the nation. Here, just in in, in California alone, I've seen 1,400 students that have been rescued from indoctrination centers. I've seen 130 faculty members who've pivoted and learned new effective methods of education. I've seen students redevelop their sense of curiosity, of wonder. I've seen parents' voices restored to their rightful place of authority. I've seen churches return to the center of the culture as they should be. All of these changes come back to those two most important questions. Who's teaching the children? What are they being taught? And you know, the great news is today you have so many supports. You have so many options. You you remember the story I've told you when my kids were little, I saw the dysfunction of the system. I considered different methods of education. And then 18 years ago this fall, I met a family who had clear-eyed kids that seemed to love each other. They seemed to love their parents. And I literally walked up to the mom and said, how did you do that? She told me one word, homeschooling. I thought it was a cult at first, but I realized what a tremendous, powerful, moving, shaking, foundation building um, system of, of really educational discipleship. It really is. And I've been a fan ever since. So I stepped into the ring uh, way back then, two decades ago, started homeschooling. Then I wanted to buy, provide a healthy balance of community, parent-driven education. Most schools miss it on this realm. Private schools miss it on this realm because parents are not in the game. That's why private schools have a terrible rate of retention in the faith. Let's face it, because parents are not in the game. This method keeps parents in the game and parents are that number one predictor of socioacademic success. So back in the day, 20 years ago, I started a handful of classes at my church with 35 students that quickly grew to five churches in the area in Northern California. And now it's spread across the nation, which is so exciting. And the homeschool academy model, it's just one. It is just one model. But the reason that I speak on it and have given my life to it is because from a developmental psychology perspective, from an education perspective, from a neuroscientist neuroscientific perspective, from a leadership and even from a scriptural perspective, especially I see it as the, the healthiest, most effective educational model of all. There are many. Obviously, you can step off the big yellow prison bus on your own like a boss and just go for it. You can hire a PSP. If you message us um, at cvcu.us, we will connect you with a PSP, somebody to help you with records. You can join a support system, a hybrid. Again, you can start your own academy. We will come alongside you and help you start your own academy, your own rescue mission. In fact, if you're in the San Diego County system right now and you're a teacher and you are ready to just break free and you feel like God has been calling you you out. I know that I know one of the academy systems here in San Diego that's hiring. Awaken Academy has multiple campuses and is hiring. And I'm just going to give you the text right now. You can text Teach Awaken one word to the number 55525. That's Teach Awaken one word to the number 55525 to find out more about jumping in and helping using your gifts and talents for the kingdom of God. There's a whole community of support and you have so many options. Remember, the stats are clear. 37 seven points higher on average in standardized testing. Homeschoolers totally outperform any other type of educational methodology. Three to five grades higher. Parents are the key. Parent involvement is the key. There was a study done at Columbia University Another one that corroborated that, and that was at Manitoba Department of Education and Training. But they looked at 
Is there a clear marker of time? Does time really matter? The average kid gets like 15 minutes home alone with his dad, right? Does it really matter how much time? They actually broke down the markers of family dinner. Kids who ate dinner three times or less uh, together as a family during the week versus five to seven. And the results were incredible. Five to seven meant a, a very clear reduction, smoking, drinking, sexually promiscuous behavior. Um, and, and homeschooling creates this kind of organic level of involvement that's unparalleled in any other educational role model. And what I love about the academy and really why I started this model in the beginning, almost 20 years ago, was benchmarking opportunities. You know, if you're just educating your kids and you don't see what's happening to other kids, you don't have anything. Comparison is not always bad. Competition makes us healthy. And if your kid thinks I'm an incredible writer and that's because he's around, you know, people who are terrible writers, then he needs a little exposure to what good writing really is. And so I've had so many college students in the past working in the traditional system who would come in and they had this false narrative that they were good writers and they were actually writing at the fifth grade level. Let's not live in a bubble. Let's make sure our kids are are performing at their peak efficiency. And I think the academy model does well for that. It promotes a parent-driven rather than a peer-centric model. It helps restore this intergenerational mentorship that is so lacking in today's culture. And I think if there is a, a better, I do, can't think of a better stat than the one that I wrote in Outsourced about the agency of the local church that in the state of California, if just 75% of our churches would open their doors to 260 students, we could shut down the public school system tomorrow. You know, CVCU, we are working hard to restore sanity to the the field of education. We have a mentor-driven, inquiry-based, faith-fueled model that is built on virtue and is debt-free. And so we would love for you to join us here either for our academy model, which is the K to 10th grade, or for 11th grade, where we start students in college. Don't forget to check out my latest book on the 12 toxic traits of traditional education. You can go to outsourcethebook.com, or you can find all of your resources at cvcu.com. US. Click the Start an Academy tab to jump in and become part of the rescue mission. Thanks for joining me on today's show. I'll be back next week with more of our toxic trade analysis and developmental tips that will help you stay connected through the lifespan. See you then. Thanks again for joining us here on The Communication Architect. If you have questions about today's episode or if there are topics you'd like to see us address, send your comments via Instagram to at Dr. Lisa Dunn or via email to contact at drlisadunn.com. That's D-R-L-I-S-A-D-U-N-N-E.com. And remember, strategic communication will help you build greater emotional health and relational resilience. So don't miss the next episode. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and I look forward to talking with you next time right here on The Communication Architect.